Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right, all right. Peter Rabbit 2. We are in week two. Um, of this series called At the Movies. And of course, the idea for the movies, uh, for the series, uh, is pretty simple. Uh, we're using current or popular movies uh, as a hook uh, to talk about spiritual truth, to dig into God's Word. And yes, of course, today's movie is Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. Now, I'll be very honest with you, okay? This is kind of a stretch for me because this is not the typical movie that we pick for Father's Day, okay? Typically, it is some sort of a uh, war movie, action flick, you know, like Gladiator, Braveheart, Man on Fire, right? Like a, you know, great love stories, right? Of course. And, um, but uh, I went to go see this movie this week. It's very, very cute, very sweet. I'm just actually thankful uh, that my wife, Janet, uh, I'm in the dark, here we go. But I am thankful that my wife, Janet, actually went to see the movie with me uh, because it would have looked really, really creepy uh, for Pastor Chris to go see this movie all by myself. But she agreed, and uh, we enjoyed a little date night, I guess, together watching Peter Rabbit 2. Uh, but we chose this movie. We chose Peter Rabbit 2 uh, for several reasons. Uh, first of all, it is definitely um, a family movie. I mean, it is, and that's great. It's great for Father's Day. Um, it's a young kid's movie. And uh, really, uh, another at the movies tradition here for Coastal uh, is that every year uh, we pick um, a kid's movie, a family movie, to take everyone for free uh, to the movies. And uh, this year, uh, we chose this movie. So um, if you and your children and their friends, and it's for anyone, uh, children, ch- children at heart, uh, if you are available uh, this Tuesday morning uh, the, the, at Citadel Mall Theater, uh, the, the movie starts at 10 o'clock. Uh, the doors will be open at 9.15, 9.30. Uh, we're picking up the tab uh, for the tickets. Now, concessions are on you, or if you're like me and you just bring your own concessions, in. Anyway, not supposed to say that, uh, but whatever. Concessions are on you, uh, but the movie is on us. And every year, uh, we end up taking like several hundred people uh, to the movie. Maybe this year might be a little bit different uh, because of COVID, the shutdown, uh, but we're going to have fun and we would love, love, love for you to come. So to, to come to the movie, all you need to do is let us know on your Connect card. Uh, how many people that you're going to be bringing. So it's on the back of your Connect card. Pull that out this morning and uh, just let us know. And you can let us know online um, as well. Now, there are, as always, in most of the movies that we pick, you know, for, uh, for at the movies, there are a lot of different directions uh, that I could go with this movie. Uh, today, I could talk about uh, friendship and how bad company corrupts good character. And you see that loud and clear in the movie. Uh, I could also preach on, uh, you know, maybe 1 Samuel 16, 7 that says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. You know, don't judge a bunny by its cover, right? Um, now, if you do a quick search on today's movie, uh, online, if you, you're going to read a brief synopsis like this. So listen to this synopsis, and then I want you to think about what you think about as far as a a spiritual hook here. Here it is. Despite his efforts, Peter can't seem to shake his reputation for mischief among the other rabbits. Once he ventures out of the garden and, here's the key, leaves home, 
Peter finds himself in, where, in a world where his mischief is appreciated. However, when it all falls apart and his family risk everything to come looking for him, Peter must figure out what kind of bunny he wants to be. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds an awful lot like one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told. The story of the, anybody know? The prodigal son, right, of course. So today, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna use that story that Jesus told to talk about what I think um, is really the main theme of this movie, and it's, uh, it's family. It's family. In fact, this is not on your outline, it's not a blank, but you might write this down. We all need a place to call home. We all need a place to call home. We all need a spiritual family. That's what I want us to talk about today. So I wanna give you four reasons why I think that's true. Why you need a spiritual family. And I think this is great to talk about um, on Father's Day. We're gonna look at reasons for that from the Bible, from the story of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15. So let me give you a little bit of context um, for this, uh, for this uh, story that Jesus tells, okay? So what's happening here is that some religious leaders, they, uh, they come to Jesus and they're complaining, they're ticked off because Jesus is basically doing what Jesus does, okay? He is spending time and hanging out with people that they consider to be despicable, okay, beneath them sinners. And so in response to this attitude that they have, Jesus tells these three stories, okay, back to back to back in rapid fire succession to kind of clear up all the confusion as to why he came. He tells the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And we're going to focus on the last son. So the story begins like this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Now, the biggest offense here is not just that the youngest son wanted his inheritance and didn't want to wait until the father died. That's bad enough, right? But the biggest offense, the biggest sin here is this, you know what, I've had enough of this and I don't want to be associated with you or my family attitude anymore. He wanted nothing to do with his family, okay? So the story continues, verse 14. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So, the youngest son loses everything, okay? All of his so-called friends have now abandoned him, but now this famine hits the land, and he is absolutely desolate and desperate. Now, there are four reasons I want us to talk about today that you need a spiritual home. 
that you need a family. And all of these, by the way, are evident in the movie. And I think these are all relevant things to talk about today on Father's Day. Number one, reason why you need a spiritual home is home is the place I run for help. Home is the place I run for help. Again, the youngest son was in desperate trouble, right? His friends had abandoned him. He has nowhere else to turn. And so he decides that I'm going to go home for help. And by the way, this is exactly what happens in the movie. If you come to see it with us, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, Peter Rabbit, he's in trouble. His so-called friends abandon him. And so he, lo- he decides to go to the only place he knows to go for help, and that's home. Now, verse 17 in the story Jesus tells begins this way. When he finally came to his senses, meaning that he wasn't thinking straight when he decided to take his inheritance and go to Vegas, okay? He recognizes this is a dumb, dumb decision. So when he comes to his senses, he says, I will go home. I will go home. Let me ask you a question. Where do you turn when you're at the end of your rope? Who can you call on? Who can you depend on to help you when you're really in need? Now, the sad, the very sad, but very true fact is this. There are a lot of people today who do not have immediate family to turn to when when they need help. That's true. But all of us, we need those people in our lives that we can turn to for help from time to time. In fact, the Bible talks about how we need a place of refuge that we can turn to in times of trouble. In fact, Webster's defines refuge as this, as a shelter or a protection from danger or or distress, something that, that you can turn to in a time of difficulty. So let me ask you today, Where is your place of refuge? Listen, we all know that the world can be a very difficult place and people can be very, very uncaring. And I think we've all seen that and experienced that, you know, loud and clear over the past year and a half. And and there are gonna be times in our lives when our careers falter, when relationships end, when loved ones die, when your health goes downhill, when the pandemic hits, when you begin to struggle financially. Listen, that's why here at Coastal, we really believe that we want to be a place of refuge, a a, a home, a real home, a spiritual home where you can receive encouragement instead of discouragement, a place where you can receive comfort and not criticism in times of crisis, a place where you can Uh, where where people help you and encourage you instead of constantly tearing you down. I love Romans uh, 15, 2 from the message. It says this, each one of us, I want you to circle the word there, us. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? Guys, that that is a radical, radical concept compared to the rest of the world in which we live. I mean, the world is all about every man for himself, right? Every man for himself. But you know what? God never intended for you and I to operate that way. 
And, and that's my challenge to us as a church. You know, to always be that, that place of refuge where people can turn to for help and for support. Each one of us looking at the people and the problems around us, right? That's what it says. Each one of us. Who is that? That's all of you. That's all of us together looking at the people and the problems around us, both here and, by the way, in our community in which we live, and asking this question, how can I help, right? How can I make a difference? So let me ask, do you have a place of refuge where you could turn for help? And by the way, dads, lead the way in that in your home. Be, be that place where you know that your children can turn for help. Number two, home is the place I receive unconditional love. It's the place where we receive unconditional love. So you go back to the story of the prodigal son. His thoughts return uh, to home. And uh, he's in a lot of trouble. He's at, he's at the very end of his rope. And verse 17 continues, it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please, please take me on as a hired servant. So, this is his father's response. Listen to this, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not the response that I expected. I mean, if you know something about Middle Eastern culture, you know about what's going on here, you would expect the father to be upset. He had every right to be upset. In fact, even the, even the son expected rejection. He didn't expect this, uh, this embrace, this, this welcome. You know, basically it's like, okay, you know, my dad's gonna be mad, he's not gonna wanna see me, but maybe, just maybe, if I offer to be a servant instead of his son, maybe he'll take me back. So he's trying to think of anything and any way to make his father take him back. And then, before he even gets home, which tells me that where, where was the father? What was the father doing? He was waiting. He was looking. He was anticipating. Even before he gets home, the father runs to him and, and embraces him with open arms. Listen, the son did not deserve that. What did he deserve? I mean, honestly, he deserved punishment for turning his back on his family, for losing his share of the family's estate, for potentially putting this family in ruin. But his father is so overwhelmed with joy at seeing his son return that he runs to him with affection and compassion. Guys, that's what unconditional love is. It's, it's loving someone for who they are, not for what they do for you, not for what they've done. And let's be honest, we all need that kind of love. You do, I do. Why? 
Because we blow it. We mess up all the time. We don't need any more of those relationships in our lives where we are loved as long as we produce, as long as we perform. We need these relationships where we're loved and valued for who we are, no matter how many times we might fail, no matter how many times we disappoint, no matter how many times we blow it. You see, in God's eyes, and I think that's the point of this story, each one of us is just as valuable as this son. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that every person is valuable in God's eyes, even when we turn our back on God. We run from him, even, even curse God. He still desires nothing more than for you and me to turn around and to come home. And when you do that, Listen, no matter who you are, no matter how far away you've been, no matter how long it's been, he is always waiting for you with open arms and unconditional love, and he will run to you. Guys, that's what I want to have here at Coastal. I hope our family is, is a place where you can love and be loved unconditionally. Now, that doesn't mean that we, you know, we excuse sin or that we love sin, but we love each other. We love each other unconditionally, and we show it through our actions, and we rejoice and we celebrate when people who were lost turn around and come home. Home is also the place, number three, where we grow up. Where we grow up. And uh, you see that in the movie, by the way, loud and clear as well. Peter Rabbit had a lot of growing up to do. And you know, we, we all have to grow up at some point, right? We all have to mature, and, and the place most responsible for that, for our growing up, is home. And in Jesus' story, the youngest son, he might have grown up physically, but evidently, he never really grew up emotionally, relationally, or spiritually. Guys, listen to me for a second. If you are not maturing spiritually, life is going to be tough for you. It will be. Because let me be very honest, problems are going to come into your life. Difficulty, hardship. You know, whether you're a good person or a bad person, doesn't matter. You're going to face problems. And what determines how you handle those problems to a large extent is your spiritual maturity. And not only that, if you're not growing up spiritually, you are not going to live a life of true significance, and you're not going to be used by God to your full potential. So here's the question. What does that look like then? You know, what is you know, growing up spiritually? What is spiritual maturity? What does it look like? So here it is. Here's the definition. It's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Okay, it's a process. It is becoming, becoming like who? Like Jesus. Ephesians 4.13 puts it this way, that we will be mature and full grown in the Lord, measuring up to what, to who? The full stature of Christ. Guys, that right there, that's the goal of spiritual growth. Okay, it's not just 
information for the sake of information. It's not just knowing all the facts. If that's true, then the most spiritually mature people in Jesus' day would have been the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And yet those were the people that Jesus was most critical of. You see, it's got to be about life transformation, becoming more and more like Jesus. And guys, let me just say this since it's Father's Day. Lead the way. If you want your children to become, you know, people of prayer, people of the word, then you've got to become a man of the word, a man of prayer. But by the way, this, this growing up, this spiritual maturity, it does not happen in isolation. It doesn't happen alone. And that's why, by the way, this shutdown has been so dangerous and so damaging. Because an awful lot of people move from being socially distant to being what? Disconnected. And that's the danger. Because we grow in community with others. You learn the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. How? In community with other people by sharing and doing life together. Now, where does that happen best? So at Coastal, we've discovered that that happens best through our life groups and our life teams, okay? In, in small groups and in serving together, in ministry. Now, life groups are those, those groups of you know, eight to 15 to 20 people who meet together on a weekly basis for about uh, eight to 12 weeks during the school year. We have two semesters, a fall winter semester and a winter spring semester. And like school, uh, we take a break. So all of our groups right now are taking a summer break and they pick back up in the fall. But serving and, and life teams, guys, that happens year round. In fact, this week right here, this is the last full week of Summer of Impact. And it has been a true, impactful uh, uh, month of June here at Coastal. We've been serving and loving our community, being the hands and feet of Jesus. And you got about a week and a half to go to our website, to sign up for one of the uh, opportunities that we have to, to love and to serve people here in our community. But listen, one of the byproducts of that is that you get to meet other people. And you begin to form friendships and you, you begin to, to, to do life with people. And so I also want to challenge you to do this this morning as well. Listen, join a life team. Join a ministry team. You know, on the back of your Connect card, either online or in person, it's, it's on the back of your Connect card. It says, I'd like to volunteer to serve. Circle one, first impressions children, cafe, office, security, on and on and on. There's so many opportunities here uh, to serve. And listen, if, if you call Coastal your home, if this is your spiritual family, how are you serving? What team are you on? I mean, the thought that you would be a part of a family where you live, work, parent, and play, okay, at your home, and not do anything and not serve, that, that, that would be I mean, that would never happen, right? That's crazy. Well, it's crazy here too. If you consider this to be your home, where are you serving? And listen, we make no apologies to challenge people to join a team and to get involved. Why? Because Jesus said, you find life by giving your life away in service to others. It's through serving and through groups that you build relationships. Relationships where you can turn to for help. Relationships that are built on unconditional love where we're motivated and encouraged to grow the very things we're talking about here. 
You see, at our church, it's not just the, the pastors that do all the ministry. No. The majority of, of helping and loving and serving done at our church is done by those people who are in, plugged into life groups and life teams. You see, a church really becomes a home when you get to know the people in that church and you start doing life together and you serve together. Now, can that happen on Sunday mornings in a crowd? Some, a little bit, but not much. But it does happen in our life teams and our life groups. Listen, join one today. Hey, fathers, if you want to be the, the spiritual leader in your home, you lead the way. You set the example. So, number four. Home is the place where I also find my identity. My identity. Your home has a lot to do with your identity, with who you are. Now, in Jesus' story, notice what happens when the youngest son returns home, okay? He comes up to his father and he says, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. So he didn't think he was worthy any longer. He didn't think he was good enough any longer to be called son because of the things that he did. What was he having? He was having an identity crisis. You see, he thought that his identity and his destiny were determined by the mistakes that he had made. And in the movie, you'll see Peter Rabbit struggle with his identity as well. But I want you to look at what the father's response was, how the father saw the situation. What does it say? But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his fingers and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. By the way, that's a barbecue, right? In the deep south, that's what they were having. We must celebrate with the feast, for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. The party began. The father completely ignores what the son said. In fact, in the father's eyes, his son was always his son. He, he was always someone important, even if the son didn't think so. Why? Because he was a part of the family. Because he was a part of the family. And the father had to remind his son of, of whom he was and where he came from. He was a son. He wasn't a hired servant. It didn't matter what he, what he had done. Listen, today, I want to tell you, I want you to know who you really are who you truly are. And I'm not talking about, you know, what state you're from, what team you pull for, you know, what your family situation may or may not be like, what your job is like, who you're married to, or even what people say or think about you. Let me tell you something. All those things, they're secondary. They're, they're, they're superficial at best because your identity runs so much deeper than any of those things. So, who are you really? The Bible makes it very clear that you were created by God and you belong to God. We are his children, created in his image, and our ultimate home is with him. That's who you are. That's where you belong. You are a child of the king and you were created by God in his image for a great, great purpose. Now, unfortunately, and we talked about this last week in length, unfortunately, we have all been estranged from God. 
We have been separated from him by our sin. And just as the son chose to leave the father and turn his back on the family and went off on his own, on his own way, on his own path, apart from God, guess what? We've chosen to do the same thing. We've chosen a path that leads us away from God. We've done things that were against his will. And as a result, yeah, sure, we are separated from God. And because of that, because of that separation, we are missing the most important thing in our life. And that is our relationship with the Father, the one who created us. But here's the good news. And I really believe that this is the purpose of this story. It's never too late to come home. It's never too late. That's the purpose of the story. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That, that's why God established the church. That's why Jesus told this wonderful story so that we could know that we can be reconciled with God and be a part of his wonderful family that, that he's putting together. Ephesians 2.19, listen to this. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and he's using us all. Listen to this. Irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. I think that if, if God wants to give us one message today, it's this. You can come home. You can come home. No matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter how long it's been, no matter what you've done, Listen, you can be made right with God today, today by beginning a relationship of faith with Jesus. And listen to me, it only takes one step, one step of faith. And if this Bible, if, if this story in the Bible teaches us anything, it's that when we take that, that heart uh, step of faith toward Jesus, that the Father makes up all the distance and he runs to you. He comes to you. Because ultimately, listen, when you stand before God at the end of your life, you are not going to be identified by how much money you've made, by, by what your job is, what your IQ is, what you look like, by how many good things you've done. Ultimately, you are identified by who you belong to. And if you come home, if you'll accept Jesus into your life by faith, you will be identified as a child of God and heaven will be your home for all eternity. You see, Jesus is crying out to us in this simple story. And even more importantly, he's crying out on the cross when he died for you and your sin. And here's what he's saying. I love you. You matter to me. Now, some of you in this room, let's be honest, you don't think you're worth it. You don't. I wish I could go to each one of you individually, just tell you how much you matter, how important you are. And not just to me, not just to this church, but to God. Because you are. Listen, that's why you need a spiritual home. 
You need to be reminded of, of who you are, of whose you are, of how important you are. When you come home to God, you're beginning a relationship that's going to last forever, and you're going to be a part of a family that's going to last forever. Here's my challenge to you today. I want to close with this. Don't be afraid to start a relationship with God. Don't be afraid to take that, that one step home and commit to a, a spiritual home. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to commit to a spiritual family, to a church. In fact, maybe that's your next step here. You know, on the back of your Connect card or online, you can sign up to be a part of our membership class. Maybe you've been kicking the tires around here for a while, but maybe that's your next step to make it official that, you know what, that church home is now my church home. Listen, don't be afraid to start serving and to get plugged in where you, where you begin to build these relationships. Take those next steps. But most importantly, come home. Come home. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you for the story that Jesus told to remind us, to remind all of us, no matter who we are, where we've been, what we've done, that we can come home. If we'll simply just admit it, come to our senses and take that one step of faith. Father, it's as though you've been waiting with open arms, ready to embrace us, ready to run to us. And listen, if that's your next step, pour your heart out to God right now. Just admit the obvious. Just admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Just admit that you've blown it. Just say, Father, I do, I admit that. I've run from you. I've cursed you. I've pushed you out of my life. But today, God, I believe. I humbly admit it. And in faith, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to the cross for me. I believe that my sin put him on that cross. But I also believe, God, that he rose from the dead and he is alive. And he proved his power over sin and death and the grave. And today I ask him to be my savior and to be my Lord for the rest of my life, God, until you come again or call me home. I want to follow Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Father, I pray now for those that are here that they would finally you know, make that commitment to be a part of a spiritual family. We love you, Father. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.